0: Welcome to Terrific Tips for Business, where we help you catch the ideas that stick. The point of the podcast is to help you overcome hurdles so you can master your business. I'm your host, Terry Watkins, owner and chief idea catcher at SpinFrogs Consulting, where I work with small business owners to find the pitfalls in their marketing and lift them to success. Let's get to the show. Well, thank you for tuning in to another Terrific Tips for Business, or as I like to call it, terry Tips for Business. You've heard this before, but I'm Terry, your host, and you can't spell terrific without Terry. That's why it's called that. I'm so excited today. I have a new friend who I've met through, you guessed it, Facebook groups. So You've heard me say this before, but if you're not on Facebook groups, They're not paying me to promote them, but groups is definitely the place to go meet and connect and really start to develop some amazing relationships with people. And Miss Deborah Morrison is one of those amazing people. She is a woman's empowerment, woman's leadership expert, and and I'm going to say specifically in the financial world, but she's an amazing guide. And so let me tell you a little bit about her because she has a really incredible story. So Deborah uses her wisdom that has been gleaned from the last 42 plus years of experience as a fiduciary financial planner and money manager to coach women to take responsibility to ensure their money lasts longer than they do. How many of us women have this problem? We don't think about it, right? We just don't plan for it. Well, in 2019, in her TEDx speech, she entitled it, Fear the Financial Fear and Do It Anyway. Well, we've heard the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, but she really resonates this with your financial space because as women, we really just don't take the time to think about it, and we need to. She uses everyday analogies, humor, and outside-of-the-box strategies to save us time um, against uh, or angst us against our money and our money so that we can live a fulfilled life and live the rich le- leave the rich legacies that we really want to leave for our friends, our family, the nonprofits that we care so much about. We don't want to anguish over this. We want to just be able to know that these, these organizations, these individuals are cared for and we don't have to worry about it. Deborah is also a certified grief coach, and she's authored an an Amazon bestseller, My Husband Died, Now What? It's A Widow's Guide to Grief, Recovery, and Smart Financial Decisions. She's the Expect the Unexpected speaker. I believe we're all in an unexpected situation right now, and I'm sure she has some amazing tips to help us navigate kind of what's happening. And she's spoken internationally to empower folks about their money, particularly regarding retirement planning. In her free time, Deborah likes to golf and scuba dive, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today to be able to share her with you. Deborah. thanks for taking the time to be here.
1: Terry, it's my pleasure indeed.
0: Yeah. So you have a really interesting picture in your background, and for our listening-only audience, they're not getting a chance to see this, but is that Mount Kilimanjaro
1: behind you? It sure is, Uhuru Peak in Tanzania, and it's the highest uh, peak in Africa, and it measures just shy of 20,000 feet, for those that can see, 19,341 feet, and there I am. Uh, on July 11, 2019, at 6.53 a.m. We had hiked all night the previous night with little headlamps on. I would have loved to have seen an aerial picture of that. And we get to the top and, you know, we're exhausted and there's the sunrise coming up and the glacier and I can't even tell you how magnificently beautiful and outstanding a memory that was. Oh my gosh. So you hike at night? well we hike during the day yet the last night you come up to the last base camp at about 3pm you drop your gear and then we would hike up another about 500 to 1000 feet just to acclimate you chit chat with each other for an hour just to get the oxygen level that because it's thinner air the higher you go And then you come back down, you eat your last, (laughs) the last supper, um, and then you take like a four hour nap. And we got up at I think 10 p.m. and just started the trek up the last leg of it. And it was glorious as the sun was coming up and just to be coming up to the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro with, you know, eight of my friends and then a slew of hikers and trekkers behind us. It was a once in a lifetime experience for me.
0: Amazing, amazing. So I imagine, like the planning and the preparation and the mental work that you had to do, as well as the physical work you had to do to really prepare for that, took some time.
1: It did. I trained probably six months and then I went to Colorado the week before I flew to Africa to tell you ride to altitude train um, there. And then went to Africa and we safari for a week in Africa, which gave us some acclimation at a higher alt- altitude, but it was still only about 8,000 feet. And then of course, uh, one week we uh, climbed up the mountain and um, the preparation uh, mentally was also critical. Uh, you have heard, and I was hiking actually in New Jersey with a guy who said, yes, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. Like I met him in a meetup group and, and I, and, and then he hung his head and he went like, I didn't summit." And it was the first time, Terry, I ever thought, holy camoly, you could get over there, do all the training, fly over there, have your guide, your porters, everything in place, and get up there and not summit. And of course, then I started reading about the number of people who, for whom the altitude is just too big of a problem, or they're exhausted or not in shape, or 73 other reasons. And so I began to then process, oh my gosh. What's the probability of me summiting? And of course, these mind games continue. And um, uh, just to give you another little piece of information, just because it wasn't interesting enough, the last day of the safari, I ended up getting bad water. I had a complete sickness. I was completely you know, void of any energy. I had diarrhea badly, which is not a pleasant thing to have any time. And yet, when you're starting on a very treacherous and demanding height.
0: Oh my goodness. So you really had a lot of challenges that you were up against, both from the mental and the physical place. I imagine this translates into your business. You do a lot with the financial space and helping to guide women through kind of these unexpected times. So did you use some of the training and the philosophies that you teach other women how to do to get you
1: to Mount Kilimanjaro? I did. And thanks for asking. It's a great question, Terry. As I uh, you know, I'm I'm the expect the unexpected speaker because as a financial planner in particular, having all that experience, we would know the events that that are planned, the ages, the particular ages, 59 and a half. You know, when your kid is going to graduate high school and then college, et cetera. And you know, age 70 and now pushed back to 72 for required minimum distributions. You know, all these expected ages. What you don't know, Terry, is that that call that we would get. Uh, my partner just wrote to ABC veterinarian, $45 on the outside of the envelope, not on the check. So you know now we have early onset dementia. Now we have to go into a protection of assets mode. And you don't expect the accidents or the premature deaths or the divorces. And these things are often massively filled and fraught with emotion. Now, what we know, Terry, is emotion and intellect are on opposite ends of the spectrum. I know that in neuro-linguistic programming. So when you think about it from that framework, if we can at least have a a skeletal plan for the expected, then as the unexpected occurs, and it will occur, it happened that I got sick right before a very, very challenging hike. So that was clearly unexpected. And so then I had to just ratchet up in my mind, okay, can I do this? How can I do this? And so instead of asking the question in a despair, like in an emotional overwhelm state, like, what next? We say, apostrophe, yes, what's next? Mm. And then I just had to chunk it down. What's next is I, Deborah, need to decide, can I start this mountain climb? I, I decided that then what's next is how will I need to readjust my plan to account for the fact that I don't have the nutrition inside my body that I was expecting to. And there was an awful lot of discipline for me, who's a very active mind and a multitasker, to simply focus on, I'm putting my boot right where the guide's boot came up. I'm putting the toe of my boot underneath where his heel just lifted, because I don't have enough mental energy to think, Oh, I'll step here. I'll step there. No, 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 no. I recognized I was in a compromised state and I made an adjustment. And that is I was right behind the professional guy that had done that 876 times prior to ours. So a seasoned guide. And when he lifted his boot, I put my boot underneath there. And for a day and a half, Terry, I said, boot, boot, boot. (laughs) <laughs> that was how reduced I was. And yet yeah. my comrades kept c- congratulating me because they said you were just like a machine. Boot, boot, boot. And I said, I don't know as I had a choice. But of yeah. course we all have choices. So these are uh adjustments that I happen to make on that mountain. We make adjustments all the time. And what I want to coach people and women in particular about is to let's just let's have a financial plan. Let's mark our course, chart our course, and let's be on it. And if you have trouble taking that first step because you have been cemented in fear and you can't get through the inertia of maybe a bad experience or feeling that you're not smart enough, and I've heard a lot of excuses, let's work on the confluence, Terry, of the emotional and the importance for us as women to take our own money and to take the responsibility for it very seriously. Sure. Sure.
0: Sure. I love it. And, and I love the thing that you mentioned where you really had to simplify because I find in times of crisis, the things that stop us are the overwhelm feeling are the panic and the fear they set in and they make us stick that that's that, that cement in the bottom of our boots. And we don't, we just, there's nowhere to go. We're stuck. right? Right. But if we can strip it down and we can simplify and we can look at, what are our options really? Because you're right, we do all have options, but what are they? Yeah. And, and really come to I identify, well, these are all of our options. Yeah. Can I do any of these options? And which ones can I do? And can I do with confidence? Now, all of a sudden, our boot cement is starting to fall out and, and we're starting to shake the cement out so that we can start making this step forward into that next direction, whatever that might be. And it might be a complete 180 from where you are right now, which you're that right. might be a blessing.
1: You're right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I like that option, Terry, the the notion that we all have options. And sometimes we're so you know bent up and, and twisted about our fears and our past experiences that it, it might take another person outside of ourselves to say, Terry, Deborah, you have options. Here are two of them off the top of my head. And there's another 13 to follow. So Now we got 15 options. Now let's try to winnow down to what's the best probability of success for you, and that could be completely different from woman B, woman C, woman F, woman Z. Such that this is the idea: is I'm bringing open, uh, I'm opening up the kimono, if you will, 42 years of experience, and saying, there's always an option. There's always a lot of options, and so here are some of them, and. Let's talk together as to which feel best to you, given your circumstances and really what you're trying to achieve, because that's equally important. Well, and I think that's a really key too,
0: is we have to make sure that what we're wanting to achieve is, is truly what we're wanting to achieve Absolutely. and that the person who's going to help guide us knows how to get us there. We, I want the guy who's been up Mount Kilimanjaro 800 times because he obviously knows how to do it. He's exactly. still here. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yes,
1: exactly. I'd so. be just like you, boot. <laughs> <Yep. laughs>
0: but it's the same when it comes to any industry though, right? It's really hard to decide like, is this person or that person the person that I need? So do you have any advice or tips for people trying to decide what their financial advisor even, like what are some questions they should ask to know if this person is somebody who's been up Mount Kilimanjaro hundred times?
1: Well, it's a perfect question and there's an easy answer and it seems completely um, nonsensical at its face. but you wanna ask your financial advisor, how are you paid? Mm-hmm. And the financial advisors are paid in one of three ways Terry, commission people, so there's your stockbroker and your insurance agents, They generally have the word representative on their business card. So they're paid commission and they're not going to eat unless they sell a lot of products and make a lot of commission. So they're going to be very commission driven and very product centric. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying they're all charlatans. I sold product for 19 years because you couldn't get into this business on a fee only basis until 1999. And I did it in 1999 so that the opposite end of the spectrum are fee-only financial advisors. There's no commission, they don't sell product, there's no conflict of interest. They set a plan up and they guide you on matching the investments towards those goals. And they are paid a fee for it, it's completely disclosed, there's no um, lack of transparency whatsoever. And then there's something in the middle called fee-based. And that gets confused a lot with fee-only, yet it shouldn't. Fee-based is they'll charge a fee for the plan, but then in pages 2, 14, 17, and 27, there are very hefty recommendations for a big fat insurance policy or three annuities, the two highest commissionable products in the world. So they'll get a fee and then they'll reap commissions on any products that you bought. Now, I always like to eliminate conflict of interest whenever possible and fee only is the way you do it. And so you want to go to, and your readers and listeners want to go to www.NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, org, N-A-P-F-A.org, and find a fee-only planner um, and have a consult with them one hour, whatever you want, and get a sense of where you're going and if the financial assets that you have are such that they will be good um, vehicles to get you there. And if not, you know, find the weakest link and so forth and so on and replace that. But ultimately, we need a plan because I don't fault anybody that has a bevy of financial products. We've all been sold stuff. Yet at we we reach age 50, and pretty soon we're starting to think. Hey, you know, wonder what it's going to look like. Can I afford to cut back my hourly uh, work, my work for pay to, you know, reap some of those rewards? And I don't know if you can or not, but the commission only person doesn't have the software, don't even know the question to ask because they don't have the continuing ed education requirements or drive, Terry, to integrate the, the aspects, the disciplines, the tax, the risk management, the insurance, the estate planning, um, the budgeting and cash flow. Um, the sequence of return risk uh, minimization, the social security analysis, I can name 15 different specialties. As fee-only advisors, this type of advisor will bring that breadth of knowledge to the table and be able to provide to any one of our women business owner listeners all the guidance they need to get safely there and not take that circuitous route, which is so costly from a mo- money standpoint as well as a time standpoint. Gotcha.
0: So if they are somebody who's listening that's in the financial world right now, it would be in their best interest to go the route of a fee-based advisor and, be and only. register themselves. Fee-only. A fee-only, sorry. Fee-only yeah.
1: advisor. Yes.
0: Right. But to like then go register themselves with that .org website.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And I I didn't know that. You're right. It is easy to confuse fee-based versus fee-only. I just did it very myself. Very um, easy. I knew what I meant, but, I know. <laughs> um, so that's really interesting and it's interesting and it makes sense though. They're getting paid a flat fee to, to really guide you. And they can't guide you if they don't have how all of these pieces work together. And, right. and there is a place for all of these pieces and there's a time and place to do different ones and drop different ones and add different ones. And somebody who's a, a fee only advisor is going to know when it makes sense to do each of those components, whereas a fee
1: based advisor or or commission do not. And you're right, Terry. So the the I mean, oftentimes when I had uh, meetings with clients, I would give them a tax idea that would save them far more money than what we made on their investments, right? But at the end of the day, if you pay less in tax, you keep it yourself. So it's that confluence like you you can't make decisions with investment decisions without it hitting the tax domino and then it hits some other domino. And then outside of yourself and your goals and your assets, you have a federal tax law that is ever changing. You know, with all the stimulus, trust me, there will be a lot of nuances and changes in our tax law over the next two, three years and okay. if we're still doing the same thing year after year because someone told us that a long time ago then we're going to be missing out on opportunity and and wasting dollars and i don't i think every woman has worked really hard for their money we don't get paid what a male, our male counterparts get paid for equal jobs so we cannot afford i don't believe to waste time or money and um, and, and so i'm just on a complete tear to get people acclimated and educated about how to hike up our individual mountains in the most safe and expeditious way so that that goal, the summit or retirement or the second home or sending your kids to a an university, I don't care what the goal is. I just want to make sure that you have a path charted that will get you there with the least amount of cost, effort and um, time. Yeah. Absolutely. And
0: I think that's so so amazing that it's really about focusing in on what they are wanting to achieve. So we were talking about how you choose a financial advisor. and, And I think finding somebody who not only is that fee only, but finding somebody whose methodology matches your own. So you have this goal, you have this beautiful plan of what you want to do. You have no idea how to get there. You find this fee-based or fee fee only advisor who can help you figure out the the path so that you can walk in their footsteps. And so together you can create a journey that's specific to you. It's going to save you a lot of time for sure.
1: You're right, Terry. And here's the curious part as a my specialty was retirement and my master's is in retirement planning, such that I, I liken it to going up the mountain. Like all of our focus when we were hiking Killy was up the mountain, up the mountain, get to the summit, the summit, the summit. And when we got to the summit, of course, we got our pictures and it was exhilarating. And then we started down. So if I make the analogy to saving, 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 saving for this quote unquote retirement date, which, you know, we'll probably have a different name in another even five years. But most of us recognize the retirement language. So if our aim is to retire at ABC age, great. So we get there, we've saved on our own or with the help of a professional and we get there. And now we're starting to go down that hill, if you will. And what that means is now, instead of having the bulk of our cost of living supported by a paycheck or a W-2 or 1099, we're going to have that maybe and or cut back or social security or if we're lucky a pension or we're going to draw from any of our investments. Right. So now we're going to be starting to chisel away and start to eat at some of that proverbial nest egg. You know, when I felt on the way down. I lost the focus. We had done it, we were at the summit, and now we were fooling around, because there's a lot of lava, and we were kind of skiing down in our hiking boots, like acting like we were skiing, because it was very, very, uh, you know, pebbly. And I started just fooling around, and boom, right in my butt, I fell. (laughs) And I was sitting there, and I thought, isn't that such an an analogy to life? You know, you, you focus on the uphill. And then, what I know from retirement planning is that, The decisions one makes after they've cut back fully or partially from their job are far, far more weighty and important to get right. Because if you don't get that right, Terry, you're basically shortening the amount of time that your money is going to last. And we all want our money to last longer than we do, right? We didn't work this hard to have a lesser standard of living in retirement. So I want to impress upon us that it's the navigation up, but if I had to choose, and I'd like to do both, but if I had to choose, I'll let you do your own thing go on, going up. I mean, you probably waste some extra money without an advisor, but on the way down, holy kimole, you better be very keen about not wasting a nickel getting every tax benefit choosing the age of social security which social security benefit you'll take your own if you have earnings records that of your divorced spouse if you're married 10 years a widowers benefit if you're if you're widowed any number of the disability any number of these benefits and you might take one for 2 years put the other one on ice switch to the second one and then take the third one at age 70 if you make that decision poorly it could result in hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. Who can't think of what to do with a few zeros? Most of our audience can think of what they'd like to do. with
0: <laughs> I think we no, all can think of what to, step, to do with that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I guess it's really important too to have somebody who can, who can tell you what all of those options are, because there are things that if you've never been there, you never know. You never even knew to think about it. You never even knew to ask. Like, I didn't even know there was an option to take a divorced spouse's or your current spouse's or a widower's um, social security benefits. That's an option? What? Yeah, for sure. Wow. So, yeah. that really, those kinds of nuggets of information really help to empower us to make those better decisions. And And I guess I never thought that they had to be so careful with their money, like down to the nickel of what they were spending, but it makes a lot more sense now that you see so many um, of people who are retired, who like go to the diner and they'll eat at the diner pretty regularly. And you're like, why don't you ever like go out to like a nice meal and like, don't do the diner for two or three days? Well, because the diner is what's budgeted. So I can do the diner three times a week because that's budgeted. Uh-huh. The nice meal isn't budgeted. And even if I decided not to do the diner three days this week, I don't know that I have the budget to do that nice meal. So mm-hmm. it kind of messes up the plan a little bit.
1: Well, it does. And I'm not ever suggesting that people be uh, penny pinching during retirement. What I simply want to have happen is I want the reality to be um, evident to people, I want their choices to be evident. So, if a person is saving and saving and saving for retirement and not quite there, and they're really not sure, hmm, oh boy, I want, do I have to really work until this particular age, or because my investments did well or my real estate did well, can I afford to not work that long, or can I take the entire family on an Alaskan cruise, which one of our clients just did, and and you know spend fifty thousand dollars? And when you don't know that answer from a statistical standpoint. It causes a lot of dis-ease, if you will, and that is something that a fee-only advisor can give you an answer. Okay, you can do that. Hey, as a matter of fact, you can take one more vacation and spend, you know, fifty thousand dollars or twenty-four thousand dollars. But here's the trick, Terry. When you're retired, let's just go to the extreme. When you're retired and now you're taking, a, you know, substantial amounts from your nest egg, I make an analogy to having cargo pants on. And I do a whole seminar with cargo pants, and I have dollar bills and $100 bills coming out of every every pocket, first virtual pocket. The point is, it matters from which pocket you take that. So if you say, oh, okay, I wanna redo my bathroom, it's gonna cost $25,000. Where should you get that $25,000? Should you sell stocks at a capital gain? Should you take extra um, uh, withdrawals out of your IRA? Should you um, take some money and redeem some bonds? Should you take the cash in your bank account? So the taxation and the cost to get at that money needs to be factored in. And then you want to be so judicious and your planner will will do this with you to take the first $16,500 out of this pocket because it's going to cost you the least amount of dollars and then take the rest. Not too many people think about that. Yeah, wow. It can save you a lot of money. Sure it could.
0: And it, it is things that like, me being where I am I, I haven't even thought about that so now I'm learning like there are way more ways to use your financial advisor than you probably realize it's more than just buying that life insurance or getting that retirement account. it's what do you do when you want to make a big de- big decision how do you maximize the budget to make that possible so that you're not getting hit with that fee at the other end of the day? That's That's amazing. So right now our country and our world is in this upheaval because of, of coronavirus and everything that that's happening. And I've been listening to a lot of different conversations and podcasts happening with business owners all over the world. And one of the biggest concerns is our economy as a whole, isn't going to bounce back from this for like three to five years. And, and by bounce back, we mean, it's not gonna come up to what it could have been in 2020. It's only gonna to get to what it was in 2019 before this COVID thing happened. So what does that mean for the people who are trying to retire in the next five years? Or what does that mean for, for our small business owners and their ability to retire in 10 or 15 years even? Because they're, not, they're kind of losing this five years of
1: time. Well, it's a very salient point. And I will suggest that there are certain um, shifts that are actually occurring that have opened up some business opportunities for entrepreneurs. Some people who were nine to five or hourly workers are now entrepreneurs and uh, many of them will make, make it and, and some will not. And yet, so I want to suggest that, that with every peril, there's opportunity. And so I don't want to minimize anyone's pain. I don't wanna minimize the fact that this was your routine and it was working quite nicely, thank you, and now it seems to be cast asunder. That is a real um, emotional and or financial event. So now you have to figure out what pivots are the smartest pivots to make? And um, the fact is, if a person is looking to maximize their saving opportunities, for example, if you can afford to save still, then you want to be ex- extremely judicious with your saving. Like, for example, like we're in the lowest income tax brackets from an individual standpoint than we've been in, in years. So at least for 2020, um, if you're still doing like a deductible IRA, a traditional IRA, then you know stop. This is the year for a Roth, right? Last year and the year before. Ever since we had low income tax brackets. For individuals, you know, you shouldn't be taking the deduction, which is worth much less in a lower tax bracket on a traditional IRA than a Roth who will be under a tax umbrella and be tax free, not tax deferred. That's just a tiny little example of how you should nuance your planning and your saving strategies under different tax brackets and tax rules. Now, how will we move forward as people looking to before the next chapter and where we're going to put our next boot? where's a safe ledge on which we rest our toe, and then we bring our weight up to follow. And that's going to be different for a lot of people. What I will suggest is if you can do at all without invading your 401k, which the CARES Act allowed people to invade their 401k for up to $100,000, and then they'll be able to repay it in three years, no harm, no foul. Trust me when I say this, I suspect there will be a minuscule number of people, maybe zero that will ever repay that 401k balance. So, that's a significant withdrawal. I mean, they they increased it up to $100,000. It used to be you could take a loan for 50% of your value up to $50,000. But now it's all the in free. If you only had a $100,000 401k, you could literally take it the whole 100,000 out. This is completely different from the previous l- rules. And when the COVID virus started and everybody was in a more of a panic than they were, they are now, people said, okay, okay, I'll grab that. Now, remind yourself, business owners, I want you to seek out your banker and I want you to take your banker to task and if they haven't helped you with these loan assistance plans, switch banks. Now, I say that as a white, upper-class woman, Black and brown people and minority people don't have, don't enjoy, haven't been able to get access. And I'm quite aware of that. I'm working with some people now. So what we wanna do is as women, foster these relationships. Magic Johnson gave a boatload of money to a bank in Fort Lee, New Jersey, as my friend, that loans to minority business owners. That's something to Google and get in on. But if you do have a banking relationship now, that's the person and the entity that's gonna help you forage your way through, for your way through this assistance program, because there's more assistance during this crisis than we have ever seen. The OO.com bo- bo- bubble, the 070809, and and now. Believe me, we never had the kind of impetus, cash influx, the forgiveness of uh, mortgage payments, rent payments for months, the deferral added on to the end. This has never happened. So rather than hit the panic button and go and invade our 401K, do everything you can, including borrow from your friends and family, to not invade your retirement account, which is probably under-saved to begin with. We have to be as smart as squirrels. We have to not eat every nut in sight. We have to keep some in our jaws and take them to a secret hiding place and save for the future. Because there is a future. There is definitely a future, and it's as bright as we envision it. Now, I don't mean to be oversimplistic. I'm not saying, like, okay, you know, uh, I envision a parking spot, and it's going to be there, even though I do do that. I use mind control a lot. I'm not trying to be glib. I don't want to come across as being oversimplistic. I get the struggle. I get the fear, mostly, and Dr. Susan Jeffers, who's a dear friend of mine, unfortunately, she died, mm. she wrote Field of Fear and do it anyway, and that's how, and I contacted her widower, Mark, whom I'm de- dear friends with, and I said, Mark, can I, can I hijack onto Susan's trademark? And he said, absolutely. He said, she would love it if you did. And so I used the holding the fear tips and tools that Susan, Dr. Susan Jeffers gave us in that landmark New York Times bestselling book. And that is, she said, if everyone is out there doing it anyway, despite the fear, when we're all facing something new in life, we must deduce then. Fear is not the problem, rather how we hold our fear. And she gave us a pain power continuum. Text me and and, and send me an an E and I'll send it to you. It's a beautiful visual for us to use. And the continuum aspect of it, Terry, gives us hope. We can be on this desperate side, having frozen in fear, being frozen in fear. And we know that's not our permanent address. We might have taken up residency there. But we have the ability to flip in and nuance and run across the continuum to opportunity and action. And so it's with that hope that I say the future is as we envision it. And it involves us as women maybe playing catch up because we weren't socialized very well about money at all. It was either, you know, society told you, you know, your place is in the home, your place is arm candy on your husband's arm, et cetera. Uh, don't worry your little head over that, Beth. Bob will take care of it. You know, that's good if Bob doesn't die prematurely or or it doesn't trade you in for 230s, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, more divorces end in, more marriages end in divorce and the average age of widowhood is 55. Wow. So I can say to women, okay, it's not your fault you were horribly socialized about money. Yet it's our responsibility, women, and that's what I'm about. Let's grab on to that responsibility and get into this trek if you will this journey this path i make it fun i think i use analogies and let's start putting the building blocks in place so that our net worth increases and our self-worth has a habit of coming right with us on that journey so we're uplifting terry both our net worth and our self-worth and i can't think of a more worthy goal that's so awesome and and so true and,
0: I can even remember back in my own life, love my parents. They did an awesome job raising both me and my brother. And we grew up in a house where we didn't talk about money, politics, or religion. We just didn't. You just don't talk about those things. It's taboo and it's wrong and you don't do it. And so money was, is always been, and has always been something that, you know, you hear the sayings, oh, money changes people and things like that. And. It, it actually occurred to me in reading *The Science of Getting Rich*, which is the Wilton um, Wobble wobbles. Did I say that right? Yes. Uh, Waddles. That's Waddle. it. Uh, his book, um, *The Science of Getting Rich*, and he talks about let's think about our relationship with money. And I had never thought about it before, but realized that I had some self-limiting beliefs around it because I was told money changes people, so I automatically assumed that it was a bad thing. Absolutely. Well, if you assume that something that is, is about as critical to your life as the oxygen that you're breathing is a bad thing, how much of it do you think you're going to have?
1: You're exactly right. And I'll tell you what changed me. It was very unique, I think. Um, and I was taken to the New York Stock Exchange by my aunt who lived in New Jersey. And we were raised on a very humble farm in Western Pennsylvania. And I went to the Stock Exchange. I, I, I was this high. I was very, very little. And I looked through that plexiglass at all of that activity, all those white men, paper tickets up and up until their knees, they were sloshing through all this yelling, holding tickets and screaming. She had to jerk me away from it. I just looked in there and I said, Oh my gosh, I don't even know if I said it audibly, but I thought it, that is a lot of energy. I want, to deal with that energy. I knew I didn't wanna be jabbering around and hollering and throwing paper up and down, yet I could sense, Terry, the energy, and of course power, in that room. And what I wanna convey to women is money is energy. And to the extent women are typically hardwired to give, give to someone else, give to someone else, give to missions, but the more energy we have, the more full we'll be, the more congruent we'll be. We can support the causes that we are so passionate about, and then we can spread that energy to other women who are just startups and are doing wonderful things for whom an extra $10,000 will be the difference maker. So if you can't think of filling your own energy self such that you have this tool, and money is just a tool, you have this tool that's going to get you something more than a lesser tool. So this tool, $100 bill, going to get you less than this tool, $5. They're both tools. Yeah. And why not have more of a tool in your tool belt when you're going to build the house called your future, right? There's absolutely no shame in having the tool called money work you and incongruence with you. And I like to say, I help people as a financial coach match their means with their mission. And I want to call forth, what's your mission, women? And if your mission is just to not be a bag lady, good, we'll start there. And then if your mission is to help others and not just be the easy money when your kid asks you for the fourth loan this year. That's important. And we'll talk about that. But to be the mind and mission and means and mission congruency machine so that you can grow into your own self-power. Self-power, not power over anyone else. Self-power, meant because we have the answers. We just need to get away with the dust and the clutter. And I'll help you do that. That's right. We got to dust ourselves
0: off. Exactly. And money is a tool. And I think in reading that book, The Science of Getting Rich, I realized money doesn't change people. All money does is highlight somebody's natural state. So if your natural state is a giver, you're, you're prolific, you want to help, you want to support, you're a nurturer, having more financial capital and resources gives you a larger ability to do that it amplifies you. That's exactly right. Right. And when I realized that I was like, huh, isn't that interesting? So money actually is just a tool and it just depends how you use it, but it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person to have. it. Not at
1: all. And yeah. you're exactly right. If you have motives that are pure, and believe me, people change, they have motives that are pure and somebody bribes them for groups of zeros and they succumb. Okay, that's their that's there, you know, cross the bear. Yet ultimately I have not found that to be the case with so many women. I, I the number of women with whom I've spoken coached have simply wanted to know the cliff notes because they don't have time, Terry, to do, you know, I mean, I actually bristle quite a bit at this. I have this whole speech on this, like financial literacy. Well, you know, women should just be financially literate. You know, that's as stupid as me going into my car mechanic when my brakes are bad. And he says, well, Deborah, here's a book on emissions. And this also talks about the slip differential because you really should know autom- automotive you know, uh, background. I mean, I would like, I would like to be like, ridiculous the last time I would go to him. No, I came with the problem with breaks. Can you help me with that? And so I don't think, I think to send women back to the library for yet more reading and quizzes and study, when they simply want to know, what are the answers for me? What are the choices? How can I learn how to make judicious choices? Prioritize, shift, pivot. That's what women need. They need the cliff notes sometimes if they're older and they don't have as much time, but I'm happy to give you the cliff notes. That's the beauty of dealing with an experienced coach, an experienced guide, and give you the chance to actually put your ingenuity to work towards your goals, not figuring out what the beige book means. It doesn't mean anything to the individual investor. I know what it means, yet I know the multiplicity of things in the financial world. As every other one of us knows, you're a nurse, you're an educator, you're a mom, you're a this, you're a that. You could snow me with what you know in your expertise. I could snow you with what I know in my expertise. I choose rather to empower you and to sift through what's very superfluous. You don't need to know that. And you don't need to know what the Dow closed and what the Standard & Poor closed at. Not now, not as you drive and you have a banner coming across your smartphone. You don't need to know that. Because that isn't going to help you get to your goal or not. So in some parts, the media has been a very, very big detriment. Yeah. I know a lot of women think, oh, well, I don't even know why I'm so stupid. And then we name ourselves stupid. We label ourselves. And, And because it's all over the internet. Yeah, well, good. The Encyclopedia Britannica, right? The Library of Congress, at a click. Good. So is automotive history. But you don't have any time to read it all. And you don't want to read it all. So let's get down to what matters. I have two assets in life, and I think most of us do, Terry, time and health, and we don't want to waste either one. I have buried people, friends, and clients alike with groups of zeros, and they would have given it all for another dance, for Mm -hmm. another picnic with their grandkids. And so what we want to do is treat life with the preciousness that it is. This is not a dress rehearsal, ladies. This is something called life and our journeying through it and our skipping through it in the fun times. And I want money to help us toward that end. And I don't want us to put every enjoyment off until later because it is not a dress rehearsal and accidents and premature deaths happen every day. So there's this fine line between what can I afford to do now without endangering my life income? And only a fee planner can do that. So you'll get yourself a fee-only planner. That person will advise you, and I will be the liaison between you and that person if, in fact, there's any need for such a liaison. But the fact is, without this information, and Terry, you said it before, the fee-only planner gives you the what-if answers, right? The other people are selling you a product, and and I'm not saying products are bad. I want everybody to have adequate life insurance. Yet, without the ability to know, what if I do this? And you get the answer before you do it. Right. Isn't that a liberating
0: thought? Well, I it's not so. that products are bad. It's that there are certain times and places for them. And you might not need all of those products. There you go. You know, you go. so having somebody who, who you can find that has your best interest at heart, who, who's been around the block a couple of times, who's seen this, who knows, and that can say, yes, you can take that vacation this year. Exactly right. No, you can't take that vacation every year. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? That's it, and 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 you know, and so many nuances in between. You can do this, but then this is what's going to. If, if this, then that. Yes. And then the person says, "Oh well, that 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 that's too uh, that's too distasteful. I I I don't want that, so I won't do this." Well, isn't that power? Yeah. Right. Well, and I love how simple it is. It it seems really
0: complex and complicated when you start to add all of the the terminology and the jargon into it, and you start to. It it can get very complicated when you get your emotions into it as well. So if you can strip all of that back out and say, okay, this is where we're trying to go. I need the stepping stones on how to get there. So that way I can figure out what the heck is my first step. What do I do now? Like right now with what I have and where I'm trying to go. And if that is, I have to invest $2,000 a month into my retirement account in order to retire at the age that I want to retire. Well, okay, so how do you do that? Where does that money come from? And having somebody that can say, okay, well, if that's not feasible right now, then why don't we start here instead? And then next month we do this amount. and the next month we do this amount. And before you know it, at the end of the year, you'll be doing the amount that you need to be doing and then things will be moving forward. But if you don't have somebody that's kind of guiding you on those, it's really easy to get lost in the minutiae.
1: That's right. And you know, we spend a lot of money uh, kind of frivolously be- and, and even in the pandemic is like, oh, okay, I'll order something, you know, and you know, when Amazon can deliver something, you know, like 12 and a half minutes after I push the button to <laughs> authorize my credit card, and it's at a locker four miles down the road, if not a mile and a half down the road, it's hard to say no, right, to spending because we get these whiz bang offers and they look snappy. Yet yeah. When I work with women and I say, you tell me, I've got your records here because you called them for me. You tell me what the last $5,000 you spent uh, in the last three months or six months was on. Just can you tell me what you spent? And very few people can tell you what they've spent a lot of money on. $50 here, $75 here, $19 here, $24 a month here. And Ultimately, if we had, just as you're saying, Terry, if we had that goal and someone backed into it for us, so we had a certain number we wanted to it's a, a, um, a mask at a certain age, and you and your future present value that future value it back present value it back, and say, okay, at this presumed interest rate, you got to save two thousand dollars a month. You got that goal now right here because there's your retirement date right here, right at the end of your nose, and the next little fl- flippant ad that comes along or or snappy little red, shiny red truck, you're going to say, that's a shiny red truck, and I want to do the $2,000 a month because that's what I want to do. That's meaningful to me, but absent that kind of goal or two or three goals like that, we're likely just to fritter away a lot of money, and if you could feel good about that, I don't want anybody to think I don't love to spend money. I do. I like to feel good about it. What I don't like to expound, uh, uh, espouse is just spending money and not having any idea at the end of the month or quarter or year where that 14,000 went. That's to me, it needs to be corralled. It needs to be, that energy needs to be brought in to a focus and channeled as our situations warrant and as our needs and life circumstances change I mean we're we're, let's say we're coupled and we're both tooling along in good health and we think oh great you know we're tired 60 65 60 I don't care and then we'll do a lot of travel and then someone comes down with the medical diagnosis at age 55 I'm just gonna assure you I have enough experience and you have enough imagination to know there's a shift Because if one person is likely, from an actuarial standpoint, going to check out of here early, you probably want to build more memories, and I'm going to be in complete support of that. Yeah. So we have to shift that, and I suspect you're not equipped to deal with that yourself.
0: Right. Absolutely. I've so appreciated this time. This has been so much valuable information. I'm so glad I had you on the show. Thank you for enlightening me and in letting me understand the differences in the different financial advisors capacities and what would, what would be the best direction for me in terms of who's going to have my best interest at heart for my planning of my business, my planning of my retirement, my planning of my future. So thank you for that. What's going to be the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Cause I know that they want to. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thanks, Terry. And I would be delighted if people wanted to uh, join our Facebook group called Women Navigating Finances and or the website, which is womennavigatingfinances.com. And you can email me at team, T-E-A-M, uh, at womennavigatingfinances.com. So um, join any way you like. Uh, shoot us some questions. I'll be happy to answer them. And uh, let's get started on this, uh, on this journey of empowerment towards our own financial independence and um, we can do it women we sure can and we are
0: that's right one step at a time thank you so much for being here with us today deborah i really appreciate it and for everybody listening i look forward to the next conversation see you soon thank you for taking the time to listen if you've enjoyed the show help us share it by leaving us a review also make sure to follow us at spinfrogs, that's S-P-I-N-F-R-O-G-S, at Facebook and Instagram to be notified about our future episodes.